So here we are with the man behind Batterina, James Price. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm all good, Daniel. Yeah, good fella. I'm all good. So this Corona sort of situation, how's it affecting you guys? I mean, it must be an absolute nightmare having shows all over the place. Yeah, I mean it's it's, uh, it's not just for six to be honest. Um, we um, the the last show that we had to effectively cancel was the Bur- uh, the uh, Scotland show, and uh, that was the eleventh of April, um, and we'd sold that out, so it was a real kick in the balls, really, to be honest with you. Um, and then obviously everything after that is it just kind of you know had to be cancelled as well. So I mean the same as everyone else in in our sort of trade search, we're all waiting for the the go ahead and. And then, you know, we, we can start promoting again. So with the next show, the June Birmingham show, is that still set to go ahead? Uh, no. I mean, the, the, the reality is is that we've, we've still not been given the go-ahead, have we? Um, and, um, you know, most people want eight weeks before they fight. Um, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think really the, the nearest chance we're going to have is going to be first show back. It's probably going to be September. That's that's the sort of feeling in in the business, really. Okay. Um, so I want to get into a bit more as to how you came about starting Ballerina. Have you got an MMA background yourself? Have you always been interested in martial arts? Well, yeah. I mean, I've been doing martial arts since uh, I was eleven. Uh, you know, started off in a very traditional route, like a lot of people out there in karate, um, and then transferred over into Japanese jujitsu. Um, well, still did the karate as well, and then. Over the years, you know, um, done, uh, like I say, karate, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, you know, everything really. Uh, give it all a go. I've got a few black belts and a few different things. Um, but but I tend to, you know, I, I teach uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu and I'm a sixth fan in uh, jiu-jitsu. So, and, um, oh, sorry, I thought you sorry. finished. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, how how we got, we got into the whole um, MMA thing um, many many moons moons ago before there was MMA we used to do a thing called combat jiu-jitsu which was really you know a very watered down version of MMA it's it's what you would see these days as you know sort of like C class MMA that sort of stuff um, and um, I was in event management anyway and I was in the football industry I used to run small side football uh, leagues. Uh, around the company, country and around the world and, and did uh, football leagues for, you know, sort of like the FA and helped launch futsal and, you know, various bits and bobs like that. Um, and then obviously the whole MMA thing started up to kick off and I just kind of transferred my event management skills to that and give it a go. So that was 10 years ago. I was going to say, I thought it was around about 10 years ago. So talk us through... So I'll jump around timelines a lot. So talk us through the last fight show. What is it like for your fight day as such? You must be like more nervous than most of the fighters. Um, I don't stop really. Um, we, we've got a we we operate with a really big. Uh, I mean, you've you've seen it yourself. Mm. It's, you know, it's quite a big operation these days. Um, so um, we we have people running different sort of uh, areas. You know, doing certain jobs and and all the rest of it. And, and really, I'm, I'm my role is to kind of oversee it and make sure it all goes and it goes to time and basically you know deal with any problems that that might come on the day so that could be anything to gloves not fitting uh groin guards not being worn issues on the front door issues in the changing rooms you know so yeah i you know i literally get there on a fight day for at eight o'clock in the morning and I'll leave at one o'clock the next day in the morning. You know, it's it's a it's a long old day. 
Well, this is it because it's the whole setup. It's everyone at their stage to making sure everything's up to schedule, this kind of stuff. And now as you're expanding, you've got the sort of yeah. um, pay-per-view kind of stuff. You've got the Norwegian TV side. So actually, that's another point. Yeah. Where did the Norwegian TV side of things come into? How did that come about? Well, um, we very early on in the day, sort of three, four years ago, identified that um, nothing was obviously going on in Norway because it was legal and nothing was going on in France it was illegal. So we came up with this plan of um, essentially setting up Battle Arena Norway and Battle Arena France uh, and uh, organising sort of like events within an event for, for those guys from those countries. So, um, you know, quite often you'll see that, you know, we will have a dedicated Norwegian card or a dedicated French card where the predominant fighters on there are French fighters or, or Norwegian fighters. Um, so that's how it all came about. And obviously the, the whole uh, reason for doing that was when, for when it did become legal in those countries, we'd hopefully have a foothold in there and, and you know, be able to, to launch quite strongly and, and get into those countries. But anyway, so obviously off the back of that, um, you know, um, although it's kind of illegal in Norway, it's a, it's a very um, watch sport and they like it. You know, at the end of the day, they're Vikings. You know, <laughs> they like to fight. Um, and, um, you know, so um, we were uh, approached by uh, the A-Media group about, you know, putting it on uh, across their their channels and stuff. And it kind of went from there, really. So. You know, that, that I think we've had that, I don't know, for two years now, and we're going into our third year. Um, well, we're going into our third year when we can go into our third year. <laughs> so on top of that kind of stuff then, what's their sort of process for getting in touch with you then? Have they got like a representative for Battle Arena? Have they contacted you directly regards to matchups? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, um, we how it works for us now, we're, we're getting to the stage where we're, we're effectively trying to push out. So... We are obviously trying to get new venues in the UK, but we're very much got, got our eye on um, sort of like getting countries on board if we can. So um, we're, what we're doing, um, we've got a guy called Andreas who, who runs Norway. So he he did the deal with the guys over there with the A Media Group, um, and uh, he, he kind of pushed it through for us. So you know, it's you know, I think I think now we've got uh, I don't know something like twelve countries now ready either operating or ready to go or you know in various stages so you know we're, we're you know 2020 to be honest with you is going to be the, the year where we were going to push it to the to the next level um and potentially look at launching a pro side properly um you know as a you know it's kind of like a, a separate promotion but you know uh, the same for everyone else that does what we're, we're doing we've been well and firmly kicked in the nuts <laughs> well that this is a huge part of it as well because people think it's just going to end up okay end of lockdown back to normal but no people are going to be extra wary of these sort of big crowded events these big public events yeah. it's all the rest of it as well and the preparation side and everything because with the fight show it's so volatile with all the fighters themselves like i mean yeah not to name names but i'm, I'm i know you had a couple of last minute issues with certain big matchups and things like that what's your initial process then so when it comes to someone say weigh-in day pulls out have you got like a yep. hot list of people you can call is it just like a what, what's your reaction if, we, if i if i've got what we would deem a dedicated big fight you know like a headline fight i will set that fight up and then i will normally have a backup person ready to go 
and and, and what I do, I, I give them, I, I say to them, look, you know, I need you to go be it a day before, a week before, two weeks before. Um, and it's normally someone who is fighting for it. It's someone who's got the right record. Um, and uh, what, what I do, I um, pay them a certain amount to kind of be ready and on call so they can jump in. It can be legit. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're out there and we're, you, you know, we're doing what everyone does. You know, we've had a pull out. Who can help? Who can jump on? And sometimes you get it sorted and sometimes you don't. Um, and, you know, uh, you lose the fight, you lose the sale, ticket sales, and it's just the way it is. Well, this is it, though. It's quite tricky. And everything else on top of that, with the fighters being so emotional, it must be quite tricky to be able to stand your ground when everyone's, you know, shouting and all the rest of it. And all these kind of the sort of the politics, almost, I want to say, regards of, oh, we should get yeah, this amount well, of commission and all that sort of things and go on. I call it politics, really, to be honest with you. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of bollocks that goes on in this game, um, and there's a lot of egos, and there's you know, you, you, it's something that we have to deal with on a, you know, on a daily basis, really. But, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you, you, you take them for what they are. You know what it's about. You know, you know that high emotions involved, and you know, pe- people that have been trained for, you know, you, you imagine like the times that you've fought. If you'd have yeah, trained for eight weeks and you know, someone pulled out for you on the morning or the mm-hmm. day before, you know, it ain't good. Um, but, you know, it isn't our fault if that happens. You know, the, the fight that did to you, it's their fault. But, you know, we're there, we're in the firing line. So a lot of the time, we will get it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's very rarely what I would class as volatile. Um, but, but um, you know, you just have to stay calm. You know, I, 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 you know, I know some promoters who like, you know, they'll... Um, publicly shame people and all the rest of it but you know my view is is that it's part of the business it's part of the course it is what it is um you know and you shouldn't be doing this business if one it stresses you out uh, and and two you're stressing other people out and this one's more mainly for me a sort of a general sort of question with regards to matchmaking when it comes to debut fighters sort of lesser known people how much yeah. of a duty of care do you can you have on that kind of thing so say like you have someone you're not sure about their record and they get knocked out in the first round. We're not saying me yeah. in this instance, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how much do you sort of think, Oh, I shouldn't have matched them up. Or is it a case of, you know, you, they know what they sign up for. No, I think there's probably, I mean, as far as we know, we, we always do uh, as much as we can to find out about people's history and we'll, we'll tell coaches and all the rest of it as much as we know. And then, it's up to the coaches and the teams to make, you know, um, calculated and measured decisions on, you know, whether they think that matchup is right or not. Um, so really, we we, we 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 try to do that. I mean, you know, we're only human. Sometimes, you know, people get through the through the net, you know, uh, and with different net, they will probably use a different name or, or you know, something like this. So, you know, someone who says they're an O O and had no fight experience, and you see them jump into the ring and bounce around like a, a panther or, you know, I don't know, sort of praying mantis ready to take its kill. You're like, hmm, sort of, someone, someone may have t- told Porkies, but, you know, there is only so much we can do. 
but you know, um, we'll, we will, we'll, we'll look into it as much as we can. We'll do as much as many as uh, as much as an investigation as we can. But but really, you know, if you with a good team and you have got a good coach, you know, they'll they'll do that homework for you. You know, and if there's a problem, they should be coming to me and saying, "Well, hang on, we found out that you fought under this name or that name or this fight or that fight," and I'll go right. Um, and, and normally, I will scratch the fight and find someone else unless you still want it. Simple. Well, this is it as well, because ultimately, you know what you sign up for. You know, when you step in that cage, anything can happen. And yeah. a certain thing I'll be quite concerned with being a matchmaker is MMA math. Like, oh, they fought them, so they should be good enough to fight so-and-so. And then, you know, all these kind of yeah. obscure sort of finishes and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I, I always uh, remember the fights that we've had. I always remember the fights that we've had. And, you know, sometimes coaches will say to me, well, look, I actually think it's a mismatch, you know. Uh, but if I've seen two fighters and I know one's strong and one, you know, say standing and one's strong, sort of like, um, you know, with, with the grappling or something like that, then sometimes it makes for a good matchup. But, but again, you know, it always just comes down to what, what's best for that fighter and, and what's best for that team. And, and ultimately, the only person who knows that fighter better than anyone else is, is their coach. And, you know, we, we, we've got to listen to what the coaches say. You know, we've got to respect what they say. And if they don't want the matchups and stuff, then it's that. That's simple as that. Well, that is, that, it does make sense doing all that kind of way. And one thing you sort of touched on earlier was about sort of, focus on more pro events and that kind of side of things remember initially when i first yeah. started going to the shows you're having c's and b classes and now it's only a classes i was curious yeah. if you're gonna do any um shows not take a step back as such but more for the novices like a, a novice card an amateur card and a pro card sort of thing yeah well we can't we've kind of evolved now to be honest mm. we're, we're we're gone past the step we're, we're known as like the elite amateur now so that's why we're starting to attract a good level of fire every time they do it. You know, if you look at uh, an average card for us, we have six, seven teams flying in for Europe to take part, you know. So, you know, we're, we have evolved and, we've, and it's become a little bit different now. The, the level of our uh, of anyone that fights on the show has to be a, a, a good enough level to fight. But that being said, we do have another little side business called Battleground that we launched for, oh, I don't know, probably 2015 and we've not done anything with it for the last two three well no probably three four years to be honest with you where it's very much um yeah grappling um and uh c-class um mma um belts um and we we had little grappling competitions we had c-class mma competitions so there is talk of us bringing that back in to play at some point but to be honest with you it comes down to time i mean um, this year, we were literally going to be doing uh, 12 shows. Um, you know, some months we were doing two shows. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, we would probably have to look to sort of like getting somebody else on board to, to drive that forward because obviously what we're trying to do is drive the, the international side of Battle Arena forward. So, so yeah, it's something we would still do, but probably under our one of our little sister brands. So, you know, through Battleground. Well, that doesn't make sense because it's like Cage Warriors has the Cage Warriors Academy and that kind of idea. That's sort of, you know, yeah. the big brother, then you get, like I said, the sister companies or whatever else. I mean, when you have the big names like yeah. the Dan Lesters and stuff, you need to make sure they're on a big stage, you know what I mean? <laughs> Can't have them on um, <laughs> prelims. But um, yeah, there's a few things I sort of wanted to um, get into with that. So the sort of staff you have on. So, sorry, the um, signal's cutting out a bit. I'm not sure what you were just saying there. It was sort of like a robot. 
Can you hear me okay? It seems to be cutting out a little bit. James, can you hear me okay? It seems we have some signal issues. And I'm not sure what's happening. James, can you hear me? Cool, I think we were back connected again. I'm not sure what happened there. I think it was just a bit of a technical blip. But, so... Yeah, I mean... Where, where were yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, we're, I think we have connected again. I'm not too sure it's still a bit crackly, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll cut you can ask something. I don't know what. Oh, I was going to ask something about stuff. So this was it. Like, say you get your... But you know, what I was going to ask before about was... Yeah, cross-promotions. Because yeah. when you get the pro professional rankings you'll see the refs jumping to different organizations no problem and occasionally you'll see the odd super fight between certain organizations and then we take the last show we had Hattie from a um, battle arena champ versus andy yates from gold ticket regards of that is it worth i'm trying to think what it is like sort of contracts for the sort of bigger amateur names almost and that kind of I don't know. You see what I mean? To try and have a representative or get more involved with other shows. Like almost like a... You know, like the old school tournaments. Like sort of champions yeah. from each um, weight division in different organisations in one like collective like... You know, you used to do Bama Bellator events, that kind of thing. Would you ever consider something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a delay, I'm not sure. <laughs> So back yeah, to cool. my um, um, initial question was the opportunity for potential cross promotion, say events or tournaments and that kind of thing. And I was wondering yeah. what your opinion on that would be and also your relations with other events. Is it sort of, you know, this is my area, don't go there. Is it like we all sort of get on just, you know, gentlemen's agreement. What's the general atmosphere with that? Well, I think, I mean, most people stick to their own areas where they're at and they, they don't cross over. I mean, you know, I'm a great believer in, you know, uh, competition is a good thing. Um, you know, if, if people would come, say, into Kettering or Northampton where I do one of my shows or Birmingham, you know, that would just basically give me the kick up the arse that I would need to do things even bigger and better. You know, and, and there's an argument to say that's what, how, one of the reasons why we've kind of gone to the next level of what we're doing now. Um, uh, dealing and working with other promotions is something I very much would consider, and we, it's you know um, we, we, we're doing it when we we, we are going to be one of the first UK promotions to go to France. Um, that that's that's all been done, signed, sealed, and delivered, and we're doing it doing it with a um, a, a well-known French promotion. Um, when we do that, and when we've give, obviously given the go ahead to do it in France, and I would definitely do it with um, someone like um, I don't know Bella tour or something like that to you know um be sort of like um an amateur arm that would supply uh, our champions to to, to debut on with, with them so i don't know it's if buts and maybes you know uh, in, in an ideal world in our business we'd all get on and we'd all help each other you know if someone asked me for help i would give them help but there's a lot of um people out there that you know wouldn't let's be honest, in this game. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get a lot of that kind of thing, like, this is my job, this is my baby. But this is the thing, because it's such a personal thing when it comes to your own business, your own project, because it is your... Yeah. People put so much effort and energy into it. You don't really want other people to, you know, 
step on it or get involved with it. So you can kind of appreciate there's other people's different real rules and this kind of thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. You know, um, you know, if if someone was to come into one of my areas and do better than me, would I like it? No, I wouldn't. That's the truth. But you know, uh, it, it's it's a it's an open market, really, isn't it? And but but I'm a very big believer in if you're doing what you do well and you're doing it to the best of your ability and you're offering um, what your your clientele, i.e., fighters want, then they shouldn't want to want to go anywhere else. But well, this is it. Like, if you have confidence in your product and what you're doing, you shouldn't, you know, feel insecure or feel the need to, you know, query and get involved with other sort of people's business. A no. few reasons why I asked that kind of question was on the topic of golden ticket. Because a while ago there was an event that went sort of got cancelled. I think week of the fights or something. And those people well, were trying we've... to get moved onto your card. I think I'm not sure. This... Yeah, some of it. Yeah, I mean, um, they they didn't ask for anyone. Uh, the golden ticket boys didn't ask for um didn't ask me direct to put any fights on um but i i think they put them i don't know might put them on over over promotions but if they had it done i'd have helped them out and to be honest with you you know if if uh, I'd, have, I'd have probably helped them out with a bit of the ticket money as well you know because you know i don't want to see anyone suffer at the end of the day i know um i know what it's like the time and effort and money that goes into putting these things on and i you know i'd see them all right um but yeah, it's just the way it is, you know. I, yeah, there's certain promotions that always say they're going to run and do this and do that, and you know, over the course of the years, have have cancelled a lot of shows, really. And I, I, yeah, I just don't understand where why a fighters go back to them. To be honest with you, you know, um, there's been a few notorious. Uh, we're running this show. Oh, it's been cancelled. We're running this show. Oh, it's been cancelled. You know, uh, but yet fighters will still support them and still go back to them. You know, uh, why we, I just don't get it. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, I mainly asked it just for like, I don't know, just sort of hypotheticals almost that certain scenarios are oh, super fights here. Their show has been cancelled. The potential yeah. that these fights have the potential to be transferred over. Because obviously everyone appreciates you've got your own schedules. You've got your own like yeah. slots and everything else. So yeah. it's, it's more just that kind of idea. So talk us through oh, like various, um, various sort of fight shows that you've you've run. What's, say, yeah. the most significant lesson you've learned? Just first thing comes to mind from doing different shows at different scales, this kind of thing. What's the first thing comes to mind when I say what's the biggest lesson you've learned? The biggest lesson I've learned? Interesting. Um, whew, something like, say, you've overseen, something you thought that would be, you've underestimated almost, underappreciated as like a factor in the... Well, the, the, the biggest lesson I've learned really is is that you you need to be adaptive. You need to adapt to different situations because different things change every single time. I mean, for instance, one of the shows last year that we did when we did it in Birmingham, um, we um, the the guys that we do the um, the cage hire with basically rang me up a, f a week before and said, "Listen, are you okay if you use the cage warriors cage?" And we were like, "Yeah, no problem." Um, and I said, you know, as long as it has our deck on it and all the rest of it, all blah, 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 fine. So basically, they, the Cage Warriors cage turned up, but what um, they forgot is that when Cage Warriors do their event, they put their stage on a raised platform, so, um, you know, that elevates it above, mm. well, I don't know, a certain amount of height and stuff, um, but they hadn't put the raised platform in with the Cage Warriors cage. So the Cage Warriors cage came, and it effectively meant that the cage was about three foot off the ground. 
<laughs> so we effectively then had to redesign the whole of the show on the spot, re- redo the seating, redo uh, the production, the lighting, the recording, uh, everything. We had to literally do that on the spot. So, yeah, that, that's the one thing you've got to be able to do when you do this job. You've got to be able to adapt to, you know, uncertainties and deal with them and, and, and deal with them well. You know, because as far as everyone else knew, they all went. We didn't have anyone say anything about the height of the cage. They all went out. They all fought. All the spectators loved it. You know, everything was fine. But for us, it was one of the biggest nightmares I've ever faced. I mean, that's the sort of real confirmation that it was a success to be able to deal with it. If it hasn't even been highlighted as, oh, you did really well to deal with that issue. It wasn't even yeah. that. It was, you know, that's just how it is. And that's the standard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were we were we were really really happy to be honest with you, and uh, you know it was uh, yeah a bit stressful, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, a huge reason why I wanted to get you on to sort of explain this unappreciated side of the whole fight world and the whole fight game is, you know, the cogs and all the rest of it. Because people will always talk about you know the fighters' journey, all their individual like you know trials and tribulations and this kind of thing. Yeah. But they don't appreciate the sort of well oiled machine that is a fight show and you know, some of them run a bit late or whatever else happens, but they don't appreciate, you yeah. know, the the rest of it. The rest of the no, world no. goes on. No, there's a you know, um there's better shows than there's there's good shows and there's not so good shows and then there's, you know, awful shows. And um, you know, uh the the better shows are, are normally well organised, properly staffed um you know no expense spared and you know at first we couldn't do that you know when when we first started out we had to go with what we had to and we we had this um ethos that you know for every every show that we did we put a bit back and we'd try and do something better the next time that we did it um you know and and i think you know even to this day you know there's still things that you know will come out of a show and go we could do that better or we can do that better um you know and um but, but there's some people out there that, you know, will do a show. They will do it as cheaply as possible, bargain basement it, try and make as <laughs> much out of it as possible. And, you know, that long term doesn't really help because, you know, when fighters that fight on a show like that then come to a fight show that does it better, they will stay with the show that does it better. I mean, again, this is it as well, because it's not just the quality of the event you're running for people to watch. It's the treatment you get as a fighter as well because you'll get certain shows i mean personally i've not had that many issues with you know any fighters in general especially on your shows just because there's nothing really for me to you know yeah I, have you fight okay your opponent hasn't changed okay cool weight's not changed cool show up no problem yeah. he's there cool he's yeah. fought cool yeah. but go home cheers but yeah. it's not always that smooth for everyone there's gonna have like you know people with their quote-unquote injuries or their you know I don't know, personal emergencies or whatever things they've got very conveniently timed, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of uh, car accidents that we have, the the amounts of grandparents that die, and the amounts of, you know, you know, uh, uh, you'd think that, um, you know, uh, families of fighters have the highest mortality rate uh, <laughs> than, than anyone else and in the world. the worst driving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah this is the whole thing as well is that problem solving now this is a bit of a tricky question it might take a while to really get an idea so what's the biggest compromise you've had to make from what your original plan was for what battle arena is so something you would have loved to have in 
which you've had yeah. to change to try and you know keep the show running not so much on the day changing like the cage for example but more like as a yeah. whole business model if you know what i mean well we've been quite lucky that when we first set out with this vision of what we were going to do i knew that somewhere down the line i wanted it to go the way that it's now going now um so from that point of view we've been okay uh, we've, we've kind of stuck to the 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 plan and the business plan and we're, we're, we're getting where we now want to be so really we're, we're, we've been quite lucky from that point of view we haven't really had to change anything um and and going back to what you were saying about you know you know i'm talking like gen, you know business rather than day-to-day -day when you're doing the shows and stuff well it does really tend to be the day-to-day -day stuff you know the good thing about this business is is that you know it's not like we're running these shows sort of like every day you know it gives us plenty of time to plan properly and plot properly and you know uh if if you're good at that sort of thing you can kind of get things more or less on the track the only the only thing that you know will will not sometimes go your way is that you might not have enough money to do something that you wanted to do um you know it might you know we've had things where we've um, nearly got on massive sponsorship deals that then fell through that could have brought things forward quicker so there are those sort of things um but yeah we've we kind of been quite lucky that we stuck stuck to the plan and it's kind of gone you know, as we wanted it to, we always knew that building the business as such would be a slow burn. We knew that it would, wasn't going to be something that would be insta profitable and insta, you know, um, you know, um, being productive as such. Um, but, but, you know, um, and, and, and even at the stage that it is now, we're, the money that we're now making from that is, is now getting reinvested into pushing it on this, this international scale where we're trying to get people to run, run battle arena in, in different countries. So, you know, we'll, when, when we finally get there, you know, it, it'll, it'll be good, but it's, you know, we're still fighting away. Now on with the international sort of question and development of battle arena in general. Yeah. As we all know, there's only one James Price. Now, yep. if you have many events all over the land, you can have other James Prices to then do this and other people you feel that, I don't know, have that sort of trust in to pursue your specific battler, you know, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've looked at it like, um, like we've looked at it with a, a, like a, the McDonald's principle. You know, we're going to, if we're going to get people on board, we're going to, um, take them on board for all their strengths and all their qualities and all the rest of it. And then we're going to give them this finely tuned business model that they can follow that they won't muck up. And part of the strategy of what we're doing um, is um, we're, we're doing it like we're calling it like an assisted franchise is that we will effectively, if someone comes on board in their country, we will then ship out our whole team to them and help them set up that in their country. Uh, so that they're, uh, you know, hitting the ground running, uh, really. And um, obviously with the network that we've got built up, you know, and all the people that we deal with worldwide, we can pretty much guarantee that when we do go into these different countries, it will be a bona, bona fide international show as well. So, you know, it's, you know, sort of like, um, you know, let, letting your baby take its first steps, really, isn't it? You know, you're kind of behind it, ready to catch catch it. Um, and that, that's the way we look at it. You know, you, you've got to trust people to do it. But as long as you give them the, the the right information and training to do things the way you want it to be done, then, you know, they, they should be all right. 
I mean, this is where the sort of question came from because, like I was saying earlier about how it's like your baby, this is your project. I mean, it's a good example, yeah. analogy of the baby sort of thing, but yeah, yeah. there's so much, how, that sort of being able to let go and let someone else have that, you know, experience would be quite a, I don't know, as much as you're going to sound as very, you know, composed and professional on this, you you must in the side be like, ooh, <laughs> this is mine, just, you know, or well, maybe the, not like that. Reality, <laughs> the reality is, is that, you know, um, we're only going to deal with people that we feel, uh, uh, um, you know, the right people to do it and take it on. Um, and we'll give them that chance to do it. But on the same note, if they're not doing it, we will take it back. So, you know, it, you know, it's, if they fail for whatever reason, we, we're kind of put it together that the only reason it was fail is because they won't put the work in. We'll give them everything that they need to do to make it work. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean when you say, you know, oh God, what happens if this and this? Well, you know, it's the same with anything, isn't it? Exactly. But you know, uh, you, sometimes you've got to take the risk. I mean, we, I've, I've built, I've been involved in a number of sort of like sports and, and, and event businesses over the years. You know, where we've sort of like um, took businesses and sports from conception to, you know, where, where they need to be. I mean, one of my claims to fame is that I brought dodgeball to the UK. I was uh, I, I created, yeah. <laughs> Drop that in the I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I actually um, started the UK Dodgeball Association. So we, we brought that into the UK and then we passed it over. You know, I helped develop futsal for the FA. So, you know, I passed it over. We used to run small side football leagues um, all over the place, you know. Um, so, you know, and um, you, I, I guess, you know, you've got to get used to... Uh, taking a risk and you know put your trust in people um if it don't work out it don't work out you live and learn don't you those are some powerful sound bites that is gonna <laughs> <laughs> i invented the wheel <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh again I'm... there's just so many more conversations after that wow um <laughs> but yeah this whole concept of you taking this huge risk and constantly developing it i mean it must have been talk us through the first show like when you came to say okay i want to do my first battle arena yeah and what what was your initial thought process what was your initial like you know talk us through well, the idea I mean, result talk us through like so um a friend of mine um and his wife used to run lava and ignite in northampton it was their nightclub and um he used to say he used to train for me and he used to say listen you're in event management you run all these massive football events and all the rest of it you know all the people who do martial arts and stuff you know why don't we just put one together so in the end i sort of like looked at it you know, um, I looked at it and I thought, oh, God, it's one of these businesses where you throw loads and loads of money at it. And then you're kind of it's kind of like gambling our business. You're throwing loads and loads of money at it and you're hoping that everyone, uh, the fighters do right by you by selling tickets and all the rest of it. So, it, you know, pays itself and then brings a bit, bit of money into the promotion. So that was the first thing that I looked at it. I, I, I could see it was kind of a um a risky business you know it wasn't an, uh, a thing where you got guaranteed returns you know it was one of these things where you know and still is where you will put a certain amount of money into a show and you at least want that to come back and a bit more you know so everyone's happy um, so that was the first thing and then i don't know i kind of tentatively started talking to people about would we do it and how would we do it and all the rest of it um, I, I was helped out um, early days by uh, Lee Hasdell, who's obviously uh, a pioneer of uh, MMA. 
he was actually working with Isco and he provided the um you know the officials and all the rest of it um but but one thing we did say one thing we did say and one thing we was all we have always done right from day one was we wanted to get things in place that were right so we always had medical in place correctly so we've always had two ambulances to have two paramedics and a doctor you know we've always had um like isker on board you know the reason we have isker on board is they are they are nothing to do with me you know, so when when people argue that the fight didn't go their way, or whatever, or they didn't like it, or whatever it might be, we have Isca there because they are totally, totally independent to Battle Arena, so that there is no favoritism, there is nothing like that in place. So it's they come, they ref, you know, they do what they need to do, they judge, and if there's any issues, you can go to Isca, which is a proper governing body and gets this, you know, uh, dealt with properly. Um, and then obviously, you know, we wanted to get all the, the other things, you know, in place. We wanted to have, you know, a proper event team, you know, um, we, we silly things like making sure that, you know, uh, we're all mic'd up. You know, uh, we, you know, you'll quite often see us going around with our headphones on all the rest of it and talking to each other. You know, communication. Communication is probably the most important thing about this business. You know, everyone needs to know what's going on. Everyone needs to read and react. So, you know, we made sure all the communication is right. So anyway, we, we decided we, we've got everything in place, had a go. And to be honest with you, we um, I think I matched something in my naivety, something in the, about 17 fights. And in the space of fight week, we went down to nine fights. So our first show was nine fights. Um, people turned up um, not on weight, this, that, and that. Oh, God, it was hard work. It was really hard work. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the first one and the first one for a lot of people, that's where you go, right, we had more uh, problems than we did results. Uh, what do we do to, 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 to iron them out and then go for the next one? And that's kind of where, where we started. And, um, yeah, that's, that's that really. <laughs> now, um, in, impartially, what's your favourite show you've, you've organised and been able to appreciate? Or either the way it's run or specific fights? Like, What's your favourite event that springs to mind? Well, I've oh, done quite a few. Um, well, I, I think the, the, for Atmosphere, the best event we ever did is when we uh, did a cross-promotion with Fighter Source. Um, we worked with Fighter Source. And they, uh, I don't know if you know about them, but they were um, looking to effectively be like um, an international amateur promotion, very much like what we're, we're doing. But they were from America. They had a massive television deal. Um, and basically, um, we they did a world championship and it ended up with um, America coming over to England and fighting um, the, an English team. Um, it was all like really, you know... Um, High oh, profile. Yeah, because this was um Ben Mobs and like Rob Masters on that show, I think, wasn't it? I think. Ben Mobs, what a legend. That he was a legend that day. Um yeah, that one. And um yeah, so for for atmosphere and like I've never seen um you know a crowd get behind fighters uh that anywhere. It was amazing. You know, you know, it was really, really good. So for the for the whole feel of the event and everything that was going on, um yeah, that that was the best show, um, and then you know, uh, yeah, but but you know, we've had we've had um, some massive shows like we we did one of our shows we did in 2012. We did it at um, a football stadium, 
Um, that was an amazing show. We um, we had the whole of the um, main stand. We did an outdoor show. Oh, yeah. Leading up to... Yeah. <laughs> Love that one. Catch them yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, leading up to that show, it, we had torrential rain. And on the day of the fight, uh, it was 32 degrees. Uh, but that created a problem. That was funny because the problem that created is, is we hadn't thought that when the sun was beating down on the cage deck, um, that it would get hot. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. How, yeah. What was that like? So, so, so all these fighters who you thought had nimble footwork weren't getting, I didn't have nimble footwork. They were trying to stop the feet from getting burnt. <laughs> oh, take down and tap by sunburn. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it wasn't that bad. That's joking. But yeah. But yeah. yeah. So, so that was good. I mean that that event we 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 sold out the whole of the main stand and that was some big big old numbers that one um, but we had a lot of really good shows actually a lot of good shows um, but some of our best shows have been some of our what we call um, satellite shows so you know obviously we do a lot of arena shows now but you know a lot of our we've had some really good shows in Oxford you know shows in Nottingham Peterborough lots of different places where we've done little satellite shows that have been good so. Yeah, it's too many. We've done, what, nearly 60 now. <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to say, it can't be um, going too bad if you're almost 60 shows in and 10 years on. Um, yeah, we're doing all right. A couple hypothetical fun sort of questions. Would you ever consider doing an Ultimate Fighter-style like, battle arena? Like, you say you get, I don't know, four or six people of the same kind of weight division, and they put yeah. on, like, a sort of stacked tournament of the winner gets, like, um, a title shot or a title fight or whatever. Yeah, they, they are good as long as people are committed to it, um, you know, um, you, you see a lot of these things going on, a lot of people trying to do these things, and they all fall on their ass. You know, people getting buys, people getting, uh, you know, f- just fighting once and winning the tournament. So, in theory, they're very good. And, you know, it's something that I would like to do in theory, um, but ultimately, they very rarely work. I mean, it's as part of like these sort of, part, not say high risk, high reward. You sort of, you know, they're fun for a reason. That in an ideal world, if it work out, it is all you know bells and whistles, and it's oh, I can't believe they did that. But most of the time, it's going to be oh, so and so's pulled out, or they can't do it, or they've had yeah. this one the other. Yeah. Then, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in an you know, ideal world, if you could get you know people to do it, and they they stuck to doing it. I think yeah, it'd be awesome. But the reality is life, you know. You know, uh, as much as we had a laugh earlier about people saying excuses why they can't fight and bottling it, well, some people do have legit excuses, you know. Some people do have things going on. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nice in theory, that sort of thing, but not not something that we would consider, really, at the moment. <laughs> now, this, this we can cut this out regardless of regarding of how you feel about the answer. What is well, the most what's the biggest mismatch you've had regards of a last-minute step-in? Um. Well, I can tell you what our biggest mismatch was. It was back in about 2013, 2014. We had this French guy come over, um, and it was it was a very well known, documented mismatch. Um, and he was saying that he was certain certain age and this and that and all the rest of it. He had this sort of record and stuff, and uh, turned out to be a bit of an old boy. And we're putting in against this other lad. Um, because he still wanted to fight him because you know age shouldn't be a barrier um, and um, you know lo- long story short this uh, this young lad gave him a, a, a you know a quick 20 second battering so you know mm. that's probably the biggest mismatch we've ever had 
Um, but, you know, going off the guy's record that was on, you know, Sherdog and all the rest of it, well, you know, in theory, he should have been a lot younger than what he was when he turned <laughs> up. And uh, he should have been able to fight. And uh, he wasn't, and he wasn't. So, yeah, we got slated for that one. Um, but, again, that was one of those lesson learned moments. Well, you know, we learned that. Yeah. Cool. So, James, where can people find you? Yeah, we're all over on social media. You know, um, you know, uh, Battle Arena on uh, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of it. Um, we're, we're all there. Um, you know, you can't miss us. Um, got a YouTube channel where you can watch all the videos if you want to subscribe to those. Um, so, yeah, all there. I suppose you want to know what the addresses are, don't you? Links, I don't know. I'll stick them all in the description anyway. It's all perfectly fine. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys. And this episode has been sponsored by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout on MaulerMMA.com for 20% off on all products.